Welcome to GameSpot After Dark, episode 12. My name is Jake Decker. I'm your host. This is GameSpot's official podcast, and this week we have Lucy James with us. Hello. Callie Plaguey. Hi. Jean-Luc Seipke. Hello. And all the way from Canada, Matt Paget. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> sounded you, so dismissive. Why'd you say Canada so harshly? Because... Uh, Could you not remember where in Canada? <laughs> well, no, I remember. Ontario, right? Yeah. Near, near Ontario. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, just a small walk. It was more that I just like being an American. I feel like I cannot like Canada. Oh, yeah, see, I'm jealous From of Canada. North America. Yeah. Did you know they have they have the most water in the world there. So when we run out of water, uh, Canada is going to be looking good, and everyone else is going to be having wars for water and whatnot. Yeah, you know what? Speaking of this, you guys call yourselves Americans. I don't. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Listen, you definitely shouldn't call yourself Americans. Um, but that's pretty bold of you to steal America from North America and say, we are the Americans because you guys are the United Statesians. If anything, we're I'm, North Americans. I'm Cali. Yeah, you are Cali. Americali. Do never say that again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, as we start every show and especially with new guests, we do the Chris from Dayton, Ohio segment. I think you're familiar with this, Matt. Um, I'm sure I was at one point, but I have forgotten. Chris. So basically, whenever someone new comes on the podcast, uh, they need to introduce themselves. Talk about the games you play, the, the, your favorite genre, the games you always come back to. And it looks like you've got one in here, Half-Life, right, that you probably come back to every now and then. And probably what you do at GameSpot, since we didn't specify that you right. work here. Yeah, I did, I did a poor job introducing you. I just said you're from Canada. Ah, <laughs> that's all they need to know. Um, but yeah, no, I'm Matt. I'm the, the tech commerce editor here at GameSpot. I've... Uh, I've been news, I've been video uh, in the past, um, but now I am uh, helping out on the commerce side of things. And yeah, I'm, I am a, I'm both a simple dude and a complex dude. I like simple things like, uh, like stuff we're going to be talking about later, like Call of Duty, but I also like more complex stuff like... Uh, astrophysics. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love them astrophysics. Um, like, like Vegeta. Like Vegeta and David Lynch. Yeah. Uh, the, the pair that goes together well, but it... <laughs> You know, my, my likes my likes are vast, and uh, I at the moment I am watching a lot of David rewatching a lot of David Lynch interviews. Actually, okay. Well, what are some games that you always come back to? Um, not Half Life. Actually, I you put just... Half Life down on this thing because I played it for the first time. Oh, okay. Um, but no. Uh, I mean, I love Rocket League Siege. We play um, a lot of Siege. We play a lot of freaking Siege. I think I'm up to like 800 hours now. Ooh. Oh my god! And who do you, what, who do you main? Um, I, th I think Zofia is my girl. Um, you like Valkyrie? I love Valkyrie. She's got a uh, she's got some she got a big booty. I'm not afraid to say it. We're allowed to say booty on this show. <laughs> I mean, technically, all right. <laughs> I'm just shouting out. Um, I love uh, Frost. She's uh, she's my Vancouver girl. Um, she's got bear traps, which I'm pretty sure are against yeah, the right. Geneva Convention. Dude, I, I thought that was she's a, got a bear metaphor. traps. <laughs> oh, well, she got them bear traps. Um, yeah, she she's brilliant. Um, probably a war criminal, but you know mm. who isn't in siege? Well, we'll talk more about that. Yeah, of course. Oh, episode, don't worry. But yeah, no, I I've, I really enjoy uh, also horror. Big horror guy. Mm. Um, Resident Evil, Evil Within uh, Two in particular was fantastic. Oh yeah. Um, always looking for my next scare. So yeah, that's me. Simple dude with some, some complex emotions deep down, hidden inside. You have a lot of feelings. I have a lot of feelings. <laughs> well, Matt, after we do that, we go into what we've been playing. You kind of already talked about Half-Life a little bit. It's your first time playing Half-Life. What? What else made... are you playing? 
sorry or Jake. that yeah that's yeah, probably like, a better why... question why, why are you playing half-life um i've always been kind of dogged for not playing half-life just because it's like that game that pc people shout out uh, i was gonna say pc nerds but you know i didn't want to get anyone upset then why'd you well, I had to. I had to call myself out. Honestly, it was a thing of like, I, I played Control this year. Hell yeah. And uh, it's... it's Really? I played Control last year. Oh, get, man. Get back in the... I played Control next year. <laughs> I mean... I'm playing Control right now. Uh, I'm kidding because it came the out way, this year. Anyway. The way Control is, we could have played it last year, the year after, and the year after that. That's just mm. the complex nature of the oldest house. Mm. Um, but it, it that game like just stuck with me so freaking hard and i freaking love it and i was watching uh an interview uh that game informer did with sam lake and he he talked about how half-life was his favorite game i said all right you know what i'm in the right mood to listen to whatever this guy says so i'm gonna play some half-life oh. uh and i, I played Ooh. some half-life and uh that is that is a really good game that is uh i actually played uh black mesa yeah i was gonna ask mm. which version um, you played yeah so I played Black Mesa, and then I learned that the final chapter is still being worked on. Yes. Because the final chapter of Half-Life uh, is kind of infamous for not being the best compared to the rest of the game. So a lot of people think, um, this is just like kind of form conjecture I've seen. A lot of people are talking about how like, oh, they're, they're working really hard on this this particular aspect of the game to make it better they, and improve on it. They've shown off a little bit of it recently, I think. Like, yeah, it's in beta right now. Yeah, and, and it is pretty pretty dramatic like it's the rest of the game is I would say pretty faithful to Half-Life. Like they're, they're not afraid to change the structure. It's not like a one for one, but it, it follows that formula. But like the final areas and they're, they were like, no, like we'll just completely redo it because it, it was not very good. Yeah, for sure. So it, I'm, I'm still haven't gotten to the actual like classic Half-Life, um, which I plan to do uh, with the next Steam sale. I'm just going to buy them all and play the original. But like Black Mesa is really good. It, it's obviously, I mean, I'm a huge Counter-Strike guy, so I recognize the engine um, mm -hmm. or I guess not the engine, but because uh, they're, I guess the root, well, source. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, I recognize like the way the gun is held and the way yeah, it feels. Yeah. Um, the sound effects. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it all feels really good, and it, it it's just something that, like, I never really thought of. But I love, like, kind of, like, oh, secretive, scary corporation, and then something goes wrong, and then you're in the middle of it. Um, kind of like Control, kind of like, um, Evil, like Evil Within 2 is all about a, a corporation that did some bad stuff. And that kind of stuff is really exciting to me. So it, it's, it's cool to, like, discover this. It, it's like... Imagine forgetting completely about your favorite game and then playing it and being like, wow, this is this is the best game ever. Mm -hmm. um, that's like how it playing feels it again like for me. the first time. Eternal yeah. sunshining it. Yeah, totally. And like to me, this is my first time. Mm -hmm. And but it feels like I'm playing a game that I loved as a kid just because so many elements of it are so familiar. Right. And so much of the subject matter is just so like my thing that is exactly how i felt playing the remake of link's awakening because i never played link's awakening as a kid but i did play mm -hmm. like uh oracle of seasons and some of the older zeldas and like like even my girlfriend who had never played a zelda before we were playing it and she was like this feels like nostalgic mm -hmm. even though she like never played a zelda it just like had that that feeling about it of, i like, think i think it's like that can happen in in these kinds of games where they set up so much for gaming to come mm -hmm. like like Half-Life is such an iconic game and so much of that game's DNA is found in other games. And I think 
Zelda games are a similar situation where you you see those kinds of elements in other games. And so when you go back to one that you hadn't ever played before, it's like, oh, this is familiar just because I've played the the like remixed version of yeah. this. Or like I don't know. I had this experience like watching The Simpsons and having not seen the, the things they were parodying and then going oh, back that's oh very God, interesting. Yeah. watching the things and being like, I'm familiar with this, but I've never seen it before. It's such a weird. I had that with uh, Casablanca. Like yeah. when I saw oh, yeah. it in, in <laughs> high school in, in like a film class, mm-hmm. I was like, that's where all of these lines come from. Oh my God. Like I've been hearing these lines and not just Simpsons, but mm-hmm. everything yeah. for yeah. years. And I had no idea yeah. that the whole movie has just been parodied to death. Actually, um, uh, True Fiction just did a recent episode on The Shining. Yes, we did. And there was a huge <laughs> uh, Shining um, marathon. Uh, I guess it was just one movie, so they may have just played it over, <laughs> over again. But I mean, I guess Wait, it's still a did marathon. They, did, they, did they show Kubrick Shining and then King's Shining and then they had an, an audiobook and then the trailer for uh, Doctor Sleep? Sleep. Yeah. Mm. Um, but speaking, <laughs> sorry, ooh, no some thoughts. <laughs> I really didn't like the book of Doctor. I am a huge Stephen King fan. I did not enjoy Doctor Sleep, the book, but I love Mike Flanagan and I loved what he did with Hill House and Gerald's Game. So I have. Dude, hey. I loved Gerald's Game. Yeah. That was that was sick. Gerald's Game the movie's actually pretty good. Is one of the only King books to have actually really messed me up. That yeah, because it's just a, such a terrifying. It is right. Um, predicament. Let's just say. Yeah. Um. So, anyway, <laughs> Doctor Sleep. I, back I, on Doctor Sleep, though, I I liked that book a lot. Yeah. But it was not a very good follow up to The Shining. I think that was it. I think it, that was because The Shining to me is, I mean, no, The Stand is. Seminal Stephen King, like the stand, the stand is, the stand is yes. Well, we're what, the same person. Well, like, of course, someone, we're the same. Someone compared Doctor Sleep. It's like an X Men thing, and I was like, yeah, it kind of seems more like a superhero. It reminded story, me story horror thing than really The Shining. I this is gonna sound awful. You know what? <laughs> Doctor Sleep is to The Shining is the same as what Fifty Shades is to um, Twilight. Wow, I oh. understand in, like, that perfectly. Yeah, kind of get that too. Fanficy, and it just takes the wrong thing from yeah. the source. So material. I'm curious. I've never read the books for either of them, um, but I'm I'm curious if it because the like Kubrick's uh, Shining very is different, very different, mm-hmm. very and different. I you know, like Stephen King infamously did not care for it, and Doctor Sleep seems like it's very much. Like meant to be a sequel to Kubrick's Shining in terms of just like mm. the aesthetic and the visual. So. Yeah. I'm curious if like that frees them to be since they're making a sequel to that shining mm. it, it they're not as beholden to the book and maybe it'll it'll from what of... I've seen on the trailers no it, no it, well okay. I mean it, it it yeah it I don't know the trailers don't look very impressive okay I mean yeah I again I haven't read either of the books but uh, I was just curious because I know like there there's a huge difference between the shining yeah. the movie and the shining mm-hmm. the book so I'm I'm kind of curious if this will follow in that footsteps like, it's very interesting how vehemently. Stephen King. Wow, we've gone so off topic. I was about to say. So sorry. GameSpot <laughs> After Dark, the only show where you can go from Half Life to Stephen King in two minutes. So Stephen King obviously vehemently hated Kubrick's version of The Shining, but then later on, I can't remember even what book it's in, but he later on references that version, Kubrick's version of The Shining, in his own works, which is, I mean, Stephen King loves meta. We all know that, yeah. but like, and having worked with Mike Flanagan and like seeing. How involved he was. What was the last terrible? Oh, the the Dark Tower. Like King was all over the promotion of that movie, and he's kind of doing the same thing for um, 
Dr. Sleep, like he was tweeting out, we record this on Wednesday, he tweeted out today, uh, it's great, I love it, Mike Flanagan's done such a great job, blah, 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 blah. And so I'm interested, I think maybe in his old age, he's just kind of come around on the fact that, it, you, you know, Kubrick's version was, was kind of meant with love, mm-hmm. yeah. I guess. Even I though sh- there are signs of him, like, you know, the smash beetle and stuff, or not the smash beetle, the smash car, which they're like, oh, mm-hmm. that represents Stephen King's because I think in his book, the cars were, were different compared yeah. to, it, it's it's wild. It may not even be true. People just look into it. But some of the theories behind that movie are wild. Anyway, Jean-Luc, you've been playing a game about corporations. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Matt was talking about corporations. <laughs> we derailed a little bit, but I kept that, I like it. that, I like that segue back, in my head. Hey. Getting back on it. Yes, I've been playing The Outer Worlds, which is uh, should be out today. Mm. This is the time this podcast is up. And I absolutely adore this game. It is so good. Nine uh, out of ten game spot. Nine out of ten game Hell spot. Yeah. Uh, Ed Tran wrote the review. Mm-hmm. Excellent job. Um, I pretty much agree with everything he said about it. It is like the Bioware game I've been waiting for is kind of like how I keep talking Which about it. Which is so interesting because all of the the discourse, is, capital D, around this game has been how much it's a Fallout game. Right, because like the marketing's like from the makers of Fallout New Vegas and I the creators how, of Fallout 1. I wonder how Bethesda feel about that. Yeah. And, and, and actually like mechanically there is a lot of fallout new vegas in there like the you know first person perspective the way the combat works the emphasis on more like player freedom in terms of like you can steal stuff you can kill anyone that's not really something bioware games typically would let you do Mm -hmm. but it doesn't have that like it's not like one big map the way like fallout new vegas or like later fallouts are and it's much more structured the way a bioware game is Mm -hmm. i mean like the opening of the game is like, all right, like you've woken up and then you get this ship and then you go to different planets and you pick up companions and you can talk to them on your ship. And each time you go there, it's like you got a problem to solve that usually culminates in a pretty big choice. And I'm like, this is Mass Effect. This is KOTOR. <laughs> I love it. This is great. Uh, I can't wait to play this <laughs> game. Yeah. Like even even the music. There's this one area where just like the music, it just reminded me of the the music in Knights of the Old Republic. I don't know if it's like the same composer i was just like getting that like nostalgic vibe for that game off of it and i i really think it's like the companions like that's the big thing that separates it like mm-hmm. fallout's never been fallout has companions it's yeah. never really been about the companions like new vegas had companions and, and they have some interesting writing to them but it's like you do a quest for them and then it's like all right boone they're, you're they're you're, pack mules yeah you're gonna be my pack mule <laughs> like you'll occasionally shoot a guy and you'll carry all my stuff yeah, take 400 pounds worth of guns i'll never shoot <laughs> but this is much more like a bioware rpg where you really have to think about um like party composition the the combat's fairly easy but more so in that every companion has two skills associated with them that can actually like boost your particular skills. So if, if you didn't put enough points in hacking, you're like, well, I can take this other character who is proficient in hacking. It'll actually like boost my hacking skills. So you can kind of like, uh, spec your party that way. And, and really it's like the writing. So it's just like talking to these characters. There's this, uh, wonderful character, uh, Parvati, no Parvati. I can never say it right. Um, who's voiced by Ashley Birch. Parvati, 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 who's voiced by Ashley Birch, and she is like just this like beacon of positivity in that the game like like she's just like wants everyone to get along and is like really nice and really quiet and 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 is like you meet this one character named Felix who um who 
Ed called a weenie. <laughs> Ed called a weenie. Ed did not like. You, you should go. So when you meet him, you're on this like uh, ship that's sort of a like a hub area, like a trading post. Like the Citadel. Like the Citadel, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and when you go back to your ship, he's like there and he's like, hey, like I saw you have a ship. Like, can I come on board? And you have a couple different ways you can like kind of uh, interview him essentially. And th you should go check out our, our let's play that Tamor did with the devs because he picked this option where essentially like Felix pulls out like a cover letter <laughs> and he's like, you want me on your ship because oh. I am good at this skill and this skill. And my motto is if you want the best, you should get Felix or like, something oh like that. Oh my God. And it's like, oh my god, I love you. And then, and then when you say like, "Hey, man, uh, yeah, yeah, you can come on board," like, Providi's just like, "Good job, Felix. Like, proud of you." And I'm like, oh, they're like, everyone's That's so positive. Wholesome. And it, it's just like you're immediately endeared to those characters the mm -hmm. way you are in a Bioware game. And mm -hmm. you're like, I just want to talk to everyone on my ship and spend like 20 minutes. There's um, there's, <laughs> there's like I, I hate to to be like this is just a Bioware game because I think Obsidian themselves have earned a reputation of of making their own quality games but it's mm -hmm. like you have a your ship has an a sassy ai character there that's very much like um what's her name from from mass effect oh uh, Edie. Edie. i was gonna say ava but i was like that's not right um <laughs> there is a robot companion who is like stuck in a closet and turned off and you have to find parts for them as part of a side quest to like turn them back on which is exactly how you get hk and like kotor i'm just like this is this is a bioware game and i'm it, totally okay with that is it does it feel like an old bioware game or the natural evolution of that model that we loved so much i, I would say it's more of an evolution because it does take those fallout like yeah. mechanical elements it feels mm -hmm. like a fusion of those two in That's a way cool. where it's like it it, it has because I think there's more options in terms of the way things can play out than a Bioware game ever could. Like, Bioware mm -hmm. did have a little bit of a rigidness to it, where mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you can talk to people and you can pick which outcome. But Paragon it wasn't like, or Renegade. Paragon or Renegade. Yeah. But it was never like, you can kill whoever you want, or you can just like, that's how you solve it. In this game, it has that Fallout New Vegas element where it's like, you just kill everyone. You can kill literally everyone in this game, except for one character. Genocide runs. <laughs> and that will like, that, that is a solution to a quest. Like you can, if you kill a character, it's like, all right, that's that quest is now solved. Or you know, characters will kind of make references to like, yeah, you know, you can go talk to this guy if you want to get this thing. But they're also like, yeah, it's locked up there, and it's like you could totally go sneak around and like break in and steal it, and that's another way to solve the quest. So I think mm. there's there's a lot more variety in outcomes than a, I think mm. previous Bioware games have ever done. It, it really feels like they have taken it one step beyond, mm. and and it feels it feels like the Bioware game in my head like of like if Byro kept making games and kept evolving that like Byro kept making games I guess they still <laughs> are making <laughs> games yes <laughs> if Byro kept making the games that this they, year has they, felt so long <laughs> oh my god if they kept making the games that they used to make and continued on that sort of like path of KOTOR and Mass Effect <laughs> and evolved that this feels like what that would have been gotcha. of just like it's still that Byro formula but like they're making a lot of like evolutions and smart changes to it uh i really can't recommend it enough i think one thing that really stood out to me that i personally liked and i don't know if everyone will agree on this and to be fair i'm only like five hours in so i may have not even like gotten to this point yet but one thing that was that i especially in mass effect 3 that really kind of got me down was just how heavy the plot was in terms of like the the 
The Reapers are coming. Every, the world's going to die. We have to save the world. You're the only hope. Outer Worlds feels more like just a, a, a weird adventure that you're having with your pals. And yeah. like, and like you're, you're not really a hero. Like even when you pick your sort of like background at the beginning, it's like you were a mascot. You were a cashier. You were like <laughs> a janitor. Like, a jan- like all these little, like you don't really feel like a hero, especially not at first. You just feel like, well, I'm... I'm in this place, might as well make the most of it. Right. Which, which I personally really like because I feel like when you focus way too much on the whole save the world plot, that can really weigh down mm-hmm. uh, like the character moments and especially in Mass Effect, it kind of got weird because it'd be like, the Reapers are taking over, but hold on, let's run over to this planet right here and like- Do you want to shoot some cans off the yeah, top of this? Yeah, thing exactly. Now? It's like, wait, like I really like these moments, but they don't really fit in with the overall- the where the story is pushing me yeah. um but to be fair i'm only five hours in maybe that changes maybe it does well, well, that is, save the world quest but i mean there's definitely like a overarching like goal but it yeah like that was a thing that bioware games always did that i'm kind of glad they left behind was that whole like you have to save the world and you're the savior and, and yeah. like i always felt like bioware should have like kind of get away from that formula and this does feel more like, yep, you're just kind of making your way in the world. And and you actually have a lot of freedom in what you want to do with the main mm-hmm. story and how seriously your yeah, character you wants can, like, to take it. You can, be the villain, essentially, right? You, like, can. you can. You can actually much... side with the villains, like, pretty early, like, straight up, like, just up front do that. Um, yeah, it's, like, it's very lighthearted. Like, it does have a lot of corporations are evil, but it, it's very black humor. Um, like, that's another thing that kind of it, yeah. it takes from Fallout. Mood. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That's the other thing is, so I'm one of those people that did not mind Borderlands 3's humor as much as everyone else. I'm saying nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I'm just saying it didn't bother. I, I played for like four hours on Saturday and... <laughs> it just, it didn't bother me the way it bothered other people. I agree that it's not great, but I was like, whatever, it's fine. This, however, is like, oh, this is what good writing is. Yeah. This is really funny dialogue. <laughs> This is how you oh, actually do it. They actually hired com- like comedy writers. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm there are so many moments where I'm just losing my mind. There's this like guy you meet early on who who is a a vendor and he has this giant like moon man helmet. It looks like something. It looks like a Oh, I've a, seen him. It looks in like Yoko Taro kind of. Yeah. It has like a Yoko Taro <laughs> vibe to it. And he's he's like the the mascot. It's it's like Spacer's Choice is one of the the corporations. So and that's like the mascot. It's like this giant moon man head. So he's wearing this giant helmet, and he's you talk to him, and everything he says, he has to like say the slogan. He's like, it's not the best choice, it's the Spacer's Choice. And, and <laughs> oh yeah, but you can just go down this like five minute rabbit hole where you're like, hey, like are you okay? <laughs> And you're like, how do you brush your teeth? Do you ever take it off? Like, do you sleep with the helmet on? And and he and you and he always is like, has to be in character. So he's like trying to find. He's like, he's like, well, you can find a wide variety of teeth brushing products at our, you know. <laughs> and, and then at one point, you're like, hey, where can I buy a helmet like that? And he just for half a second, he turns off and he goes, you would not want to buy this if you knew what it was like in here. <laughs> and you're like, oh, geez. And you you could just you can just wear him down where he's like just please like this is all I, this is all I have in my life. <laughs> Love to be mean to service workers. Uh, so that's a nine out of ten on Gamespot. That's a nine com, out of ten. Right? I, Highly fantastic. Also, I mean, 
Oh, sorry. I was just going to quickly say this character, uh, this game has a um, ace lesbian character and they do a fantastic job with representation. <gasps> and I think that's super cool. I just wanted to, that is super I just cool. wanted to shout that out. I was just going to say, I'm really, really interested in this game. I have never played a Fallout because I think Fallout's really ugly. <laughs> that's what I'm shouting. <laughs> um, that's okay that's understandable that's okay. like it's i just never got into fall i, I don't know why i was uh it's weird because i'm not nope. yeah Wait. good job into, good job. into the mic there we go that's a yakuza kiwami themed beer yeah. <laughs> you find the best now yeah. try the rest from uh from, <laughs> from fungles and warlock the brewery it's, in vancouver in ooh. richmond matt uh matt brought us a bunch of canadian beers so we're trying ooh. those this week that's good it's a plum sour i like that a lot in terms of what I've been playing, I've been replaying Death of the Outsider. I think I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago because I'm going for the platinum, and I just, just love that game. That bank level. I did that last so, night. So, so good. So, in order to go for the platinum, I have to do. I'm currently doing like the stealth run and that bank level. You have to not hurt anyone. Uh, do the sleepy gas at the top. Sleepy gas. Yeah. Um, you have to release all of the. The vault, so it comes like comes Falls crashing down, down and do all that. Yeah. I had to get all the paintings, but what I want to talk about is Parasite, the movie by Bong Joon Ho. Because oh. I want to see that so bad. I went on Friday. And That's awesome. It was phenomenal. So I didn't watch a single trailer. I had no idea what the film was about, and. I'm obviously not going to say anything plot-wise here because I honestly think that's maybe the best way to approach watching it. Um, and it was, yeah, one of those films where it's simultaneously hilarious and also so tense that I was just sat and all my muscles were clenched for the whole runtime. I have not heard of this movie until like people started talking yeah. about it on Twitter the other day. And it's uh, not showing in many theaters. I think here in San Francisco, it was on the Kabuki and at the Alamo Draft House. It was a packed showing. Alamo yeah, Draft House. They like sell nice out pretty yeah. quickly. I had I went by myself because I love going to the cinema by myself. It's one of my great joys in life. <laughs> um, and there was genuinely one seat left in the back row right at the end. Um, but no, honestly, go see Parasite. Um, I was talking to my friends in the UK and really annoyingly, it doesn't come out there until I think February, Ooh, Whoa, oh, which wow. is mm. very unfortunate because I was in our watch. I know we were playing games on Saturday and I was like, oh my God, you guys, you have to go see Parasite. And they were is like, it? yeah, we would if we could. Do you, do you know if it's going to be like on streaming soon? Usually more limited releases get like a like streaming thing a month know. later. Um, or would you recommend I go see it in the theater? Like, is it a theater going experience? Mm. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's, you know, it's not an IMAX or anything, so it doesn't, from that point of view. I not think it, it it was very nice because when I went, um, the audience was super into it and laughing at all the jokes and, you know, being nervous in the right places. So I think in terms of like that kind of experience, if you get a good crowd, then for sure. But right. I don't think you're losing that much for okay. watching it at home. Um, but no, because I, I heard all the fuss about it. That's why I watched Snowpiercer a couple of weeks ago, just to kind of get oh, back into. what did you think? I loved it. Nice. It's that, so yeah. that movie's weird. great. He, uh, um, Bong Joon Ho is one of my favorite directors, and that that's the, because I'm a filthy Westerner. That's the first movie I saw of his, because <laughs> uh, not because Captain America, but I heard basically yeah. that it's it's like the closest thing to a Bioshock movie. I was like, oh, that's cool. Mm. So I watched yeah. it, and I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's really freaking excellent. And yeah. he is a, uh, you can tell he's a very um, smart and also silly man 
yes. through some of his shots. Like, yeah, and particularly through whatever he puts Tilda Swinton to use with. Oh. Every time she appears in one of his movies, she plays she's, a wacky she's a character. She's incredible. Yeah. She really is a chameleon. Yeah. Like, Til- like Suspiria was an experience. I was going to say oh. Suspiria, oh, yeah. where she plays three different characters yeah. in that movie. I did it, and yeah. I didn't know. Neither did I. <laughs> She does a really good job. You have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> have you guys seen Trainwreck with uh, with that Amy Schumer? No. No. Oh. Um, she, because she's canceled. She plays she plays uh, Amy kidding. Schumer's boss in that movie, and it is like three thousand percent different from anything Tilda Swinton has ever done. Because uh, she's she's the boss of like a like I think it's like a fashion magazine or something like that, and she is unrecognizable. Like she what? is so good. Like she's one of the best actresses of all time. She- anyway, sorry for <laughs> so interrupting no, you. No, no, but no, no. you like Snowpiercer? I did. I liked it a lot. And um, yeah, that just got me all the more excited for Parasite. And yeah. I really, really recommend uh, going to see it. Callie, what have you been up to? Well, uh, I played Call of Duty Modern Warfare. That is a game that I have reviewed. Um, the, it's as of this recording or as of the time this goes up, it is a review in progress. Because um, I still have more to test. I, I played it at a review event. This is um, something that Activision does. A lot of the time you go and you you play in a scheduled environment. So it's like, okay, we're all playing this multiplayer mode right now. And that's how you uh, test out the servers in that kind of environment. So anyway, I got to play the entire campaign while I was there. I played like eight hours of multiplayer. And then uh, the campaign took me like five hours. And then I played two-ish hours of spec ops i guess i'll talk about the campaign because i think the the thing about modern warfare as a series is like you're kind of in it for the campaign like last year i reviewed black ops 4 and i thought blackout was super great i really liked PUBG. blackout felt like a like a refined form of PUBG, and i i really stand by that like uh i mean i don't know it's good Mm. um but Modern Warfare is is definitely like you're you're there for the the campaign and this Modern Warfare is like it's it's hard to describe. It's like not a re it's not it's definitely not a remake. It's sort of a reboot, I guess is yeah. the closest thing I would spiritual say. reboot. Reincarnation. Soft Do, reboot. Does it have... Reimagining? That's a game that's a game developer word yeah. reimagining. What of... elements does it carry over? Because like there's a version of Price, but it's Yeah, so Captain Price is in it. Does um, it feel like the same character or there's stuff I don't want to spoil, but okay. suffice it to say, as someone who really adores the first Modern Warfare, I was I was very happy about the callbacks. Okay, okay, that's nice. okay, cool. So that's I'm a, good here. I'm a I really like the first Modern Warfare. I earlier this year we did like a most influential game series for the the games of the 21st century, mm-hmm. and I wrote this love letter to Modern Warfare about like what it did at the time, and so I've kind of been in that headspace this year and so it was it was cool it, like i wrote that before modern warfare was announced like oh, the wow. new one which is which yeah. was just a weird coincidence um yeah so there's stuff in there that i was like really delighted by i think people have been making like i don't know you see on twitter people talking about the problematic stuff and i i think in contact context it doesn't seem as sensationalized as you might think so I think like Modern Warfare as a series has a, a reputation for kind of like pushing the envelope a little bit, um, specifically Modern Warfare 2. Mm. And I mean, the, it, a lot of it, though, at least in my opinion, I think a lot of it just comes from marketing because they know oh, yeah. that that gets so much attention. Like, yeah. They, it, it worked with 
with two and i feel like since modern warfare 2 every call of duty game you boot up when there's a campaign i guess black ops didn't really black ops 4 didn't have a campaign yeah. but there's always an option like like would do, do you want to skip the graphic sections and then you can hit like oh, yes yeah. or no yeah. and then if and then if you hit like if you hit no then it'll just like cut out certain cut scenes or whatever mm. Cause i remember black ops had something similar there's a part where you like in the first one you like put glass in a guy's mouth oh, and punch yeah. him oh, and it was like yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. pretty brutal yeah, it's it's nothing new for Call of Duty, honestly. It's like the same kind of thing. I mean, you start and there's like a graphic content warning. There's also a gore filter and a profanity filter, um, which I did not use either of those things. I'm <laughs> tired of these snakes on my Monday to Friday play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I I turned all I was I was like I, I don't need a filter. I'm I'm fine. But the campaign is really about how chemical weapons are a horrible war crime, and it's. Um, that is a huge emphasis in the campaign, and, and that is like one thing that it, it is very sure about. I think modern, I think Call of Duty in general will kind of pose a question in its campaigns, and then kind of like back off a little bit. Um, so, like in the Black Ops series, they really like kind of planted the seeds of like we're talking about PTSD, and then they backed off from that mm. um, and didn't really go anywhere with it. So this is a similar thing where it's like okay, it it makes a hard stance on chemical weapons, but um, uh, the Geneva Convention did that, so it's not really saying anything like particularly. I, I think it's a safe stance to take because I think we're all in agreement that they're, they're it would no be good. that it they're would be hard pressed to find someone who says who says they're, they're so. Yeah. so they're good. Do you think it's weird then that the white phosphorus is that's, a kill is a kill streak? That's what then? I was getting like, to. Does that feel like mm. it? It's kind of I don't know, like yeah, backing backing well, up, not backing up its own point. Yeah, there? yeah, that's that's kind of what I was building to is like. It seems like such an odd inclusion. I, I know there's been a lot of conversation about the white phosphorus kill streak, and it's like at some point I'm like, well, a lot of stuff in war is illegal, so I'm not like too fussed about it. But it seems very odd because the campaign is so like staunchly against chemical weapons. There's this whole sequence we've um, probably heard about in the preview circuit where you play as the it's a 20 year flashback where you pay, uh, play as the child version of uh, Farah, who's like the freedom fighter in the campaign. Mm. And you play her as like a child and you end up having to kill a man with his own gun. And it's it's really upsetting. But the, the point of that flashback is to show why she hates chemical weapons so much because her hometown was attacked. And like they they really go out of their way to be like, this is messed up. And then it... it and then you go into multiplayer and it's like, well, we needed a new kill streak. Yeah. So it, it's a little strange, but I You could kind of argue the original Modern Warfare had that same problem where it had that scene of of the nuclear the bomb nuke, going yeah. off and it's like showing how horrible it is and that game's trying to like make a point about that and then that's also a kill streak in the mm -hmm. multiplayer and so it's Which kind is, of the same problem. I'm curious yeah. how divided those teams are though between campaign and multiplayer. Like I wonder if That's like a question. If if yeah. like creative director whoever maybe goes out like all right so these are the themes of this game like chemical weaponry warfare and they're like all right well the the people writing this game obviously we're going to make a story about this and it's going to have this to say about chemical weapons and then multiplayer they're like well if we're making a game and chemical weapons is a theme well we should probably have like white phosphorus and yeah. stuff like you guys that. made yeah. the asset for that we'll just yeah, yeah. use that well, strangely enough it's chlorine gas in oh interesting right. okay um it's not white phosphorus at all um yeah, that is a very good point that the the teams there might be some disparity. 
Yes, disparity. There usually is. Yeah. But, but yeah, like for me, I do have to compartmentalize because the point of multiplayer in a Call of Duty game is to have fun. Do I think they should have included white phosphorus? No. If it were me, I would have said, I don't know about that one, Chief. And then um, been like, why don't you find a different violent thing to do? Um, because like, you know, you have dr yeah. remote drone strikes and stuff yeah. and like you could argue that that is also problematic. That's why I can't get too far into it. I'm not going to rehash ludonarrative dissonance in every review I write. Sometimes shooting stuff is fun. That's all I got to say about that. Um, but as a campaign outside of all of that complicated stuff, I really thought the mission structure was super cool. Um, and it feels weird saying that after saying everything I just said. But I, I really thought like there were some inventive mission types. The mm -hmm. night vision mode is sweet. Like it is so cool. Um, there's a night vision level where you play like in a you're in a compound. So there's multiple buildings you have to go through and you can do it all stealth. And Ooh. it's it's really clever. Like you have to shoot out lights and there's like a meter on the side where you can see um, how much what the light level is where you mm -hmm. are. And I was able to do it without alerting enemies at all, nice. um, which was. I don't know, it's just a nice change of pace. Mm -hmm. There's, of course, a sniper mission. Um, Kind of that same stuff. Uh, one of my favorite missions is actually the one that was also in the preview circuit, which was the um, where you do a townhouse raid in London. I think it's called Clean House. Um, and that one is you're raiding like a like you've done all this intel about the terrorists are in London or whatever. It's unclear. There's two different terrorist groups. There's a rush. There's Russian terrorists and then there's the fictional Middle Eastern country terrorists. And then the Middle Eastern country also has freedom fighters. And that's the whole thing. Whatever. You go into that house and like it scales down so much because previous levels are like pretty open. There's a lot yeah. going on. And you scale down to just going into this house and Captain Price is the one leading you through it. And he's kind of like your senpai <laughs> through the game for lack of a better oh, word. Oh, senpai. Yeah. Oh, does he? Oh, God. Does he make loads of references to like Cockney rhyming slang? And No. Okay, good. However, he does say the words shock and awe at one point, which is the name of the nuke level in the first model. Oh, yeah. He also, there's a, he references the name of another level at one point. It's not too, it's not, it's not that heavy handed. I was like, actually at the end, I was like, I had my hand over my mouth and I was like, oh my God. So like, I really liked the callbacks actually. They don't sound as cheesy or they're not as cheesy as they sound. Um, I got a question for Lucy mm. in relation to Modern Warfare. What is a proper English welcome? What do you mean? In context of you are two guys who are going to shoot two other guys <laughs> and the guy over the radio says, all right, bros, let's give him a proper English welcome. I think that just means. Oh, I think. Yeah. I mean. Just rough boys. Just just that's you know, a couple, some, of, couple of lads. A couple, couple of, of lads. The, the boys. The rough boys. <laughs> a proper English. Because there's, there's different things. There's um like a Glasgow kiss, which is uh, basically the Joker kind of cut. On people's mouths. There's oh, the Croy nice. the Croydon facelift. Cheshire, a Cheshire yeah. smile. Uh, yeah, it's in relation to the Black Wars. Dahlia. Anyway. Oh, nice. Um, there's the <laughs> Croydon facelift, which is girls from Croydon um, would wear their hair back so tight that it would pull their face back and give them a kind of cheap facelift. There's a biker tea cake. So I'm from the north of England. Uh, there's a place called Biker near where my mum lives. And a bike and tea cake is basically where you just nut someone in the head, in the face with your face. What? Excuse me? You I'm sorry, what? You, oh, head. sorry, you, um, you headbutt them. <laughs> oh, okay. You guys call that nut no, someone like in the head? Nut someone in the... You spot. call that nut? Not like that. <laughs> oh, God. Like two walnuts, right? Like... Yeah, not like, um, do you have 
Conkers here? You play Conkers? Oh, love, oh, I con- love his bad Conkers bad for <laughs> Wait, you guys don't play? Like you, you get a conquer and you. I don't know what a conquer is. What's a conquer? Is. Conquer. Uh, I need to double check which tree it's from. Jolly good conquer. Is it a, is it a nut? It's, a, it's from a. It is a nut from a horse chestnut tree. You guys still play conquers? No. no. <laughs> oh, okay. This isn't so, popcorn reading. This is made up gibberish. This is this is the UK version of popcorn reading. Oh my god. Um. So British playgrounds. You uh. You'd get a. A conquer, like a, a chestnut, uh, or the nut of a horse chestnut tree, and you would drill a hole through the middle and put a string in it and tie the where, string. Where wait, are you wait. getting a drill? <laughs> Look, you, like you at, have to rope in your parents <laughs> to do something. And then um, what you would do is you basically, you kind of hold the conquer and your mate holds one and then you take turns whacking your conquer against, oh my God, the faces that you guys are all pulling at me. I feel insane. <laughs> um, you guys like, you spend the whole game is you basically have to break the other person's conquer with your conquer. There are different ways that you can um, beef up your conquer. You know, you can put it in um, vinegar or a kind of varnish. Bro, do not put your conquer in vinegar, please. <laughs> is, there, is that why you say you nut someone? <laughs> so when you say you nut. <laughs> Well, we got an episode title. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so... Charlie, so you talked about the campaign a little bit. Uh, you talked about multiplayer. Is it was, was barely tango. I, I feel like I've gone all, all over the place with this game. Um, but what I wanted to say was I, I thought that uh, the level where you raid the house is actually really memorable and really cool. Um, you like to check your shots. And uh, the night vision kind of adds a, a dimension. And I could... Trans- translate i can segue into the multiplayer from there which is um the multiplayer is like the reason i brought up black ops 4 earlier is because it's it's not like the multiplayer is this huge draw i really think that the campaign is is the big draw of modern warfare but the multiplayer is is like solid call of duty multiplayer they uh added a night vision mode so it's um nighttime modes or nighttime versions of the same daytime maps you would play in like tdm or whatever um, oh, that sounds pretty cool. Actually, it's super cool because you can't aim. You don't aim down sights in night vision. You have a laser sight, oh. so you can see someone's beam if they're aiming down sights, and that's how you know like where they are. So you you can't aim down sights until you're ready to shoot or someone will see you. Kind of has like elements of hardcore mode, but like a twist on it. Kind of yeah. I'm really glad you said that because the thing that I loved <laughs> the most about Modern Warfare's multiplayer was the addition of realism mode, which is sick. I love it. So I pretty much only play hardcore. Sorry, I hit your computer. No, I pretty much it's only a work p- one. Go ahead. Yeah, whatever. I only play hardcore because my dad raised me to play hardcore. That's just what it's like in the play household. So <laughs> um, I'm very used to playing with no HUD. Uh, I think the biggest complaint that at least I hear from friends about hardcore is that the the time to kill is super low. Um, it's like one or two shots. In realism mode, it's oddly named. It's like a half step between core and hardcore. And it's like, in my view, a perfect balance. So, hmm. softcore. Um, <laughs> 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 yeah. Soft, Sorry. core mode. Um, so it's mm. uh, it's the it's the same damage profile as core. So you have a little bit more time. Um, you can take a few more shots before you're dead. You also regenerate health, which is why realism is a weird name for it. Um, 
I like that because you can kind of like stay in a fight a little bit longer. If you react quickly, you can get out and like regroup. Um, so I think it helps you like you're not constantly dying and respawning. You're actually like staying in and figuring stuff out. Um, but there's absolutely no HUD. So it goes beyond hardcore in that hardcore doesn't have most of the HUD, but it still has a kill feed. Realism doesn't have a kill feed. Oh. So you basically have to listen. And there's a specific sound when you get a kill. Um, Is it... Someone no, it's like an it's like an impact slap B sound. I know you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I appreciate where you're you. going with that. <laughs> um but uh so you have to really pay attention. If you're if you're not confident you can get the kill, it might be better to not shoot. Um, because then they can go regroup, their health will re, uh, regenerate, and then they can come find you. Um so you have to really listen. There's also um, NPCs on the comms, like giving you like, oh, there's an enemy at the rug shop or whatever. And I was like, I don't know which one's the rug shop. So that's map literacy for you. So but, one question I have about so so with the with the new engine, there's like a new ballistics engine. Like the mm -hmm. weapons are supposed to feel different, more realistic, I guess. How did that factor into multiplayer? Was that kind of annoying? Because what I played in the betas or the technical alphas or whatever they were, like the guns reminded me more of siege where you could like feel the kick you could see the kick mm -hmm. um and like they, they were just harder to control overall did did you find that cool was that kind of frustrating did you like not even really notice after a while i mean it just felt like call of duty to me really um that kind of bums me out because well i i will say like my gun had a lot of kick until i level it up mm. um and then i was able to equip like stabilizing like a stock and stuff mm. but um I mean, I, like, I think Call of Duty has always had good ballistics physics. Not always. You know what I mean? Like, Call of Duty is very good at, like, on-the-ground combat, and I think the the guns are generally, yeah. like, pretty good. Well, I guess my question, because they were, like, saying, like, when well, they were advertising this game and marketing it, they were like, we, we want the guns to feel less arcadey, because I feel like an old well, Call of Duty Call game. Well, because Call of Duty is like, a hit-scan Yeah, yeah and, and now there are actual ballistics, too, right? Which is the other thing, like... Or yeah. is it still hit scan? <laughs> in the campaign, it's there's like when you do the sniper tutorial, it's like, okay, you need to go this many notches up and this many notches over to account for wind and distance. And then I was sniping in multiplayer, albeit on core, not in realism mode. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think I sniped in realism actually. Um it was hit scan, <laughs> as far oh, okay. as I could tell. Um but you know, it's I would say like the new gunfight mode, I really liked that, but that is more arcadey. Like that's just a mode where you like the loadout swaps every round and it's just two yeah. V two and you, you gotta just kill the person first and then it's one life. Uh it's really like quick and fun. That felt arcadey and I liked that. I, I liked the more like tactical stuff less. Mm. Like ground war is like fine, it's not That's that what, twenty V twenty or whatever? It's like sixty four player. Oh wow, okay. <laughs> Uh, TDM 20 is the 20 player team deathmatch mode and that also the problem with that is we played on two different maps and one of them was like horribly imbalanced there there's two spawns uh, there's a bridge in the middle of the two spawns one spawn is like slightly co closer to the bridge and that spawn every match I played on that map they were winning. So does each mode have different maps? Like if you play two v two, obviously you're gonna get very small maps, and you yeah. play like there's an assortment of gunfight maps. Then there's the regular like team deathmatch or domination. You know the core mm -hmm. Call of Duty yeah. game types. Um, there's a this series of those maps, um, which are six v six, 
And then you have the 6v6 night vision modes of some of those maps. And those then, are just the same, but dark, right? Yeah. Obviously. And then you have the ground war. There's three ground war maps, which are sprawling. There's all sorts of stuff going on. I think the map design is like, it reminds me of the original Modern Warfare. It's not like just three lanes. You know, it's, it's, yeah. there's buildings and there's lots of cover. Um, that excites me. because Lots of sight lines. Especially with the Black Ops games. Like you guys, they, like, they made all these colorful, beautiful maps. But at the end of the day, it was like, all right, here are my three lanes I'm traveling down <laughs> over and over and over again. Which is a big reason why I think I burnt out on Call of Duty's multiplayer. Is just because I feel like after Black Ops 1, every Call of Duty game after that, except for like maybe Ghosts was like, Three lanes, yeah. Got to be three lanes. And I've, it's I've never, like, like, felt like the maps have been like, like I've never remembered them the yeah, same yeah, way yeah. I did like Modern Warfare. And mm -hmm. and the ones that are remembered are like Nuketown, which is not a great map. Um, well, well, that one in particular like doesn't really have three lanes. It kind of does. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's personally yeah. why Nuketown stood out for me because it was like, oh, this is a different okay. map. <laughs> um. Yeah. The Modern Warfare maps. There's one that's in. Um. So I think. I, I might be pronouncing it wrong. The fake Middle Eastern country is like Urzikstan, I think. It's basically supposed to be Syria, but whatever. Um, there's one map that's a town in that fictional Middle Eastern country. That map I really liked. There's like a construction site with really good sight lines. Um, there's all sorts of shops you can wander into. There's lots of stuff you can go to. The ground war maps. There's like there's one that's in a city. There's skyscrapers, and you can like go up the elevators, and like get on the roof oh, wow. and snipe from there. It, the the Battlefield maps, Five did that. Yeah, yeah. Battlefield Four or Five. Very much. I like mean, that. Ground War is just Call of Duty's take on Battlefield, but um, I I think the map design like it allows for a lot of um flexibility in your play style. There's really an emphasis on like find your play style. I think you know the progression system is. You, you have cross progression all the mo uh, across the modes. Uh, you can customize your loadout as you haven't been able to in Call of Duty for a very long time. But I really, I did think the map design was, it, it's nice. It's different. It definitely has the DNA of the original Modern Warfare where you have kind of like a, a late, like a, it's like t a town or a village or whatever. Um, but I will say that that one TDM 20 map with the bridge, like, <laughs> that map uh, it was so imbalanced. If you were on that one spawn, you were going to win. And at one point, we flipped the spawns, and then we started winning immediately. Like it had nothing to do. And also, um, my brain was saying flip the spawn to uh, hit the quan. So that was great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, just to, if you want to know anything more about me, yeah. Um, uh, I guess last thing too before we move on spec ops mode I know you had you didn't get to play a whole lot but it was pretty it was kind of unbalanced right I did not care for spec ops I stopped to play more mm -hmm. so there's there's three modes there's like regular spec ops there's classic and I think that's one mission and then there's survival which is the PS4 exclusive mode so I need to play classic and survival it is the co-op mode there's no zombies and it just, it didn't make sense to me. Like, and I'm not alone in this. We were playing in groups of four at the review event. There's a lot of people at these review events and only one team, one group of four finished one mission. Nobody Oof. else finished any of them. We were prefaced before we started like, okay, spec ops is super hard. You guys are going to have to really communicate. Make sure you have a strategy before you go in and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, okay, like, oh shit. So we go in, you can pick like one of 
I think five um, roles. So there's like a support, like medic role and stuff like that, assault role, recon. You pick one of those. We tried so many different approaches. We tried changing our loadouts. We tried changing, like, do we go stealth? Do we do this? We didn't learn anything from these deaths because enemies were basically spawning from all directions at all times. So there's no set waves. It was just like we would see enemies literally pop up from buildings, like seemingly out of nowhere, parachute down. We were just constantly surrounded and constantly overwhelmed. We were playing with somebody from Activision and even even he was dying all the time. Oof. It did. I just it didn't make sense. It was like, this is not hard. This isn't a good challenge. This is we aren't learning anything from these deaths. Mm. We're not. We tried two of them and we didn't get past the first wave on either. Wow. It was not fun. <laughs> so I have to I have to play more of it, but at this stage it's my least favorite part of the game, but then again it's also like the least important part of the game. Yeah. It's, it's kind of like a side mode. Um I'm really excited for Modern Warfare, especially with everything you've said. Um one thing that I really loved about the beta um is like I think Call of Duty has always lagged behind, um, especially behind Battlefield. You know, it's a direct mm-hmm. competitor when it comes to the audio um, and the sound. And I, I'm a big like sound really? design nerd, and I uh, will always play a game with headphones just because I love hearing um, the very tiny details. Uh, I mean, going back to Control, that game just has so many. Oh yeah. And like there were times when headphones. you would get kind of like uh, you you would hear the voices and mm-hmm. it would sound like they're coming from your room because of the uh, the binaural audio. And it would just be like, whoa, like I, there were yeah. times when I had to throw my headphones off. Anyway, I love that stuff. But like I could really tell a difference in Modern Warfare um, when I was like shooting in an open area versus shooting next to a wall or shooting into like a closed room. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is all based on the beta. Um, and it brought me back to like playing Battlefield where I was like scared of the multiplayer because it sounded so mm-hmm. violent and so warlike and shooting a gun inside particularly made me think of like setting off a stink bomb in my elementary school <laughs> and that like it, it instilled fear in me where i was like i am shooting a gun like yeah. obviously shooting a gun in a video game is so different from shooting a real gun but like it it sounded so real and i was really impressed by that i remember battlefield 3 when that came out whichever call of duty game was competing with that maybe like black ops 2 that was modern warfare 3 modern warfare 3 yeah. the sound design of battlefield 3 was oh, yeah. so far and away better than modern warfare 3 dice has always has always been trying to like make their audio better and better while call of duty is like I, like it gets better obviously but it's kind of so it's, so, it's like I, action movie yeah, yeah and that is one thing like I, I didn't even think about it, but I remember playing the beta too and thinking like, wow, they really stepped up their game with audio, which is exciting. And I feel like you kind of have to do that when you're tackling these big open areas and these smaller areas. Like if all if your guns sound the same in all these modes, like one, that doesn't really sound real. And two, like guns should sound different, right? If I'm on the other side of a giant map and I hear your guns, like that, it's it's exciting. It's exciting to, to hear what they've, the work they've put into the sound. And I know it is kind of a small thing, but... But man, it really like gets you in the. Feels like you're in it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It it, it is. Uh, it's impactful. Yeah. Definitely. Hmm. I hadn't really thought about it, <laughs> honestly. I. But you didn't play a lot of Battlefield, though, right? No. So so that's the thing. Like, I probably wouldn't have noticed if I hadn't played Battlefield. Like, and, and I, I I would go nights where I'd play some Battlefield and switch to Call of Duty and be like, whoa. I mean, I the reason I never played a lot of Battlefield is because I felt like I couldn't play it solo like i solo queue 
I exclusively solo That's cue fair. in yeah. Call of Duty. I don't use a mic. Uh, I've been doing that. I used to play on my dad's account. <laughs> I like really just don't want people to hear me. Um, so I, I like being able to, to be a little more independent. Um, For sure. And, and but of, oh, sorry. I will say the one thing about Call of Duty where I really noticed the sound design was zombies. It was it's always zombies because. I would listen to my brother play zombies for hours while I was doing homework. So the sound design of zombies is like, ah. like <laughs> embedded in my brain. I always thought the sound design for zombies was really strong. But I love, more on a creative level than like a technical yeah. level. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. that the zombie sound effects have bled into like TikTok now. Like, I don't know if you've to noticed what? that. Oh, yeah. There's like a bunch of TikToks where they use like zombie, like the, the zombie sound effects. Like the and like all that stuff. Like they'll use that in TikToks. So. Oh, my God. That's probably because, like... The kids are wild. That was, like, the first game they ever played. Anyway. Um. <laughs> uh, we've been going on a while about what we've been playing. And before we get into listener questions, first, we need to talk about Fallout first. Oh. Do we? Oh. Uh, if you're really enjoying Fallout 76, you can pay $12.99 a month or $99.99 a year. I have a vastly different opinion of this than the vast majority of social media. Well, hold, hold who... on. I want to I get through what it is first. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I was going to drop drop the mic on Twitter. I'm just I'll let you finish. Uh, so if you if you subscribe to this program, you get private servers, extra currency, in-game currency, uh, a bunch of other in-game rewards for uh, subscribing. Benefits that sound pretty darn good. Like you get a scrap box that is separate from your inventory box and that lets you put all your scrap in it and is unlimited. And when I played that game, I don't know if they changed it, but when I played that game at launch, that was like the big problem was like all this, you need scrap to do everything and it, you're constantly running out of space. So I'm like, okay, I guess you're going to take that annoying mechanic and remove it for the price of $12 a month. <laughs> awesome. Anyway, Matt, all right, fight, um, me, fight me. For a second, I thought for a second, I thought you were being totally sarcastic there. No, I'm, um, uh, no I think this is really dumb <laughs> and, uh, and terrible. So I'm going to say this. Uh, Fallout first is not for anyone in this room it is not for anyone complaining about it on twitter it is not for anyone comparing it to xbox game pass because this for one this is going to sound like against it but this does not give you access to fallout 76 these are features and these are for like the die hardest players of fallout 76 who want private servers i don't think it's a good value though yeah that's but like I, I agree with you but the thing is is that um i think bethesda looks at this and and i would not pay for this i was i've never been uh since high school i have never been mad about buying a video game i was really upset about buying fallout 76 in a way that i i felt like man i'm in high school again where I don't have enough money. Like I was like, man, I wasted money on this game. Um, because we played for about, we played like a fair bit, five hours or so. Yeah. And we had fun for maybe 30 minutes. And that 30 minutes was awesome when we were all hitting a death claw with some melee weapons, which was hilarious. But like, it felt so, it, it, it just felt, I felt like I'd been bamboozled a little bit. And, but since then they've really built it out and they've, gained a community that is obviously very dedicated and there are things that that community has wanted private servers being one of them and um to run a private server it's not cheap and i'm not i don't want to say i don't want to be like i'm defending bethesda but like with what bethesda bethesda can't just be like okay you sent us our, our 13 dollars um give us a week to set up the private server and then you're good to go 
like they have to have these private servers ready to give to players um and that can't come cheap so so i i agree with that i'm like, coming i'm trying to understand it from their perspective sure and sure. how like it I, if this becomes a popular thing i'm sure the price will lower like more or less just to get more people I don't in about the door. that. I don't know well, if so, lower. so my point is that the price will lower when it becomes more manageable for them to do this and to get more people who are maybe on the fence about doing this. I mean, so I agree that like yes, private servers take they cost real money. Like that's kind of always, you know, in past older games and when you want to have a private server, you would usually go to like a third party, you know, uh, service and like yeah. get your own or, private or server battlefield 3 for example like sure. you had to rent a server like you could do it for like i think it was like a dollar a day or you could do like five dollars for a week and it was so so the idea of them offering that themselves i don't think is a bad idea i think this a lot of it has to do with the way they're pitching it as like it's this premium like access thing you know they, they never were <sighs> if because they promised that like, hey, I, you know, private servers could be a thing that could come in the future in a year, but they're they're locking it behind this service rather than I, it's like the it's just the way they're pitching it. I think is like feels feels like you're you're swindling people. I think the price is is way too much, especially because it's a private server. You can only have up to eight people in that server. <laughs> that's wow. that's not that many. And, and I think it's also very different too when you consider the fact that like they they had they had a rough launch they've had all these issues with their community they're like trying to like essentially like bring in npcs something that people have wanted and then almost out of the blue they're like hey announcing uh, <laughs> a, a a monthly thing that you can pay for which costs more than all these other services like like i don't the the timing sure, feels but... weird like if the if cuz they haven't put out the npc stuff yet i feel like this is the kind of thing where like you you want to gain back that goodwill you need to wait for the NPCs to the update to come out. You need yeah. to wait for people to feel like, hey, you know what? You know, Todd Howard apologized at E3. They're really trying. That new update was pretty cool. People are feeling better about it. And then you say, hey, guys, we're doing this. You know, we're, we're we know, you know, you've been wanting private servers. We got to be honest. It costs money. I, th I think there's just like the way they could have handled this and, and when they could have released it could have been so much better to just like drop it before like that game's in a state that people are like still happy with. And well, like right and after. Like Outer Worlds. Yeah. yeah. And, but, and right after yeah. they delayed the NPC stuff, like last week they announced that they had delayed. The, yeah. I think it was last week. Or it was a like not that long ago they were like NPCs are pushed until 2020 and then it's like, all right, I think a lot of people assume they wouldn't hear from them until then. And then out of the blue, it's like, Nope, here's this plan you can pay. Right. Yeah. I saw a lot of people um, who do play a lot of Fallout 76 complaining that I think every DLC drop has been late. Um, they, oh, I saw yeah, one, yeah. a couple of tweets saying that, you know, DLC drops have been late and then, yeah, this is kind of a... Like, it, it, it's impossible <laughs> to ignore that it's just like there's so many more factors to it. Like Yeah, and yeah. I mean, um, you're talking about not just the NPC stuff, but I'm sure changes are coming to that game that do require, you know, game development is not cheap. And yeah. you kind of have to get some money in to make sure that you have the staffing and the whatever you need to actually which make is, those changes, which is fair. But at the same time, I completely agree with you that this does not seem like a good deal for people who are loving your game and who will be the people who I think they could have just it. marketed it better. Like, like, just be more upfront about it and like, hey, like... 
this is for the people who are playing the game. We know you've been wanting this. We have to be honest. Like, this mm-hmm. is the way it works. Like, that's not how they pitch this. It's very much like, this is premium yeah. thing. It's it's very, like, typical video game marketing. Like, buy our premium thing. Like, and you get this, this, and this. And it's like, no, that's... Now's not the time to, like... You need to be more humble mm-hmm. and, yeah. and honest about it. And I think people would be more understanding. It's been if a very they had, strange if year If they had been like... Really has. Hey, we are going to put up private servers and not called it Fallout First or anything sure. like that. Yeah. I think that would have been received a lot better. Absolutely. Um, yeah. We're providing our uh, uh, an easy service because like, hey man, like I remember like trying to do a private server back in the day and that, that shit's like complicated. You know, yeah. like, if you don't know what you're doing, like you, you would essentially be paying money to like have a guy do it for you, which would cost probably around this much. So the idea that Bethesda is like, we will provide that service for you, I think is valuable. Yeah. And if they had just been like, hey, private servers, this is how much they cost. Oh, and you get bonuses because we're doing something cool versus like, here's our subscription service. And it's like, that is definitely causing some confusion among people who are like, wait a second, Xbox Game Pass gives me a better deal than this. And I'm like, yeah, they're not really the same thing. Mm. Um, However, so... for the price of uh, Ultimate Game Pass, I can get uh, Outer Worlds for Absolutely. free yeah. this Friday. Which Outer Worlds, Tears <laughs> 5, like all these great games. <laughs> yeah. isn't, isn't Elder Scrolls Online on there? Fallout um, 4 is. I Fallout know. 4 is, yeah. I think Elder Scrolls Online was there at some point, but it may have been like a, like it's free this month for Game Pass. Oh, right, gotcha. yeah. yeah. Um, sure. I think Fallout 4 may have left. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah that's a bummer. Um, but I'm, I can't be... 100% positive on that. And I'm not even sure if there is a... I don't think there is a regional difference between the library. I wouldn't um, know. But, uh, but if so, I am Canadian. I haven't seen that game in a while on our store. But yeah, like... You're I, Canadian? I'm Canadian. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For anyone who's listening, I remind everyone around me that I'm Canadian about every 10 minutes. Yeah. Uh, I, one thing that does really bug me when people are like, just cancel it and focus on your other games. And it's like the Bethesda Studios, they have... Three, I think they have three studios now, yeah. like all over the country. They have one in Canada, right? Like Canada. Yeah. Uh, like they are still working on these other games. It's not like they've entirely like they they have so much so much power or uh, resources funneled into Starfield, which is their next yeah. one, and they're already planning Elder Scrolls Six. Like I don't think them spending more time on Fallout 76 is going to have any significant effects on the development of yeah. either of those two games. And, and that does yeah, that, bug me when people are just like, just cancel it and focus on the games we want. And it's, it's that's like, just like a fundamental misunderstanding yeah. of how this works. Can we yeah. give a shout out to Timur's incredible Elder Scrolls six piece that went live yes. a few days ago? Yes. Um, <laughs> that was awesome. Which is uh, a plea from we here at GameSpot to get Potion seller. Potion seller into Potion Elder Scrolls. <laughs> Basically, they, I just walked past Tam's desk and he had um a, like three screenshots from the potion seller video, just full. I'm going into battle. I'm going into battle. I require the strongest potion. You said there's 600 signatures there now. Are you serious? Yeah, we all signed it here because. Oh, I haven't signed it yet. The potion seller is one of the best videos on the internet. Um, if you haven't seen it. The GameSpot commenters don't think it's that funny. Like I, I think the Twitter. Twitter does. Twitter does. Twitter seemed to enjoy it, but like all the GameSpot comments are like, slow news day, games fun. And it's like, come on, let us have some fun. Just some fun. We have a couple more stories, but I think we should just move on to listener questions. Yeah, I agree. Since, do, do you want to run However, through them quickly, Matt? Because I think you added them both. Sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Analog Pocket is it was announced. Cool little Game Boy from uh, the company that made the Super NT and the 
uh, the oh crap, what is the Genesis Me- one Mega called? SG. Mega SG. Um, retro consoles, uh, FPGA based that can uh, display your Genesis and Super Nintendo games at 1080p, um, which is awesome. And they're making a Game Boy, uh, which is rad, and it's going to support a bunch of different systems. Uh, and then also Suda51 and Swery65 are going to make a horror game together. Uh, and they said that um, I love they've, this story they've so wanted much. to work together for a long time, uh, but every time they got together, they would drink so much that they'd forget what they talked about. So they did a <laughs> live stream oh with IGN Japan to capture video evidence of this discussion. <laughs> so good. That's really good. Um, and it's inspired by um, Siren, which is, which is a 2004 PS2 game by... Um, the Silent Hill creator. I'm forgetting his name at the moment. So apologies to you, Mr. <laughs> Silent Hill uh, and David Lynch in Twin Peaks season three, uh, which is exciting because that is some unnerving and uh, mysterious stuff. So Are you tell me Swery likes Twin Peaks. Yeah. <laughs> big surprise, I no idea. Right? Um, but it's, they were saying it's going to be something small. Uh, mobile and Nintendo Switch is kind of their idea at the moment. My favorite part was when they said that Devolver were publishing it and then Devolver tweeted, uh, <laughs> they're like, uh, but they're like, also, I mean, we're send it over. We're down, like, <laughs> Callie. Why don't you read the first listener question? Because I feel like either you or Lucy probably needs to read this one. Okay. Because they're calling you guys out. What? Well, not really calling you out, but go ahead. Hey, GameSpot crew, Caleb with a K here. Still loving all the podcasts. Love listening to you guys. Your guys' thoughts on all the games out or on the way, but my favorite parts are always the tangents. Bless you, Caleb. About random stuff like board tricks and popcorn and random occasional quoting of a vine. So that's I appreciate it. That's that. Why, that's why I was like, yeah. why do you guys have to read that? I appreciate that because I'm always so nervous that people are just like, don't like that part. Yeah, get online <laughs> then. Continuing Caleb's question. With Pokemon Sword and Shield coming up next month, I wanted to know how you guys feel about the Dynamax compared to Mega Evolutions. I'm not sure how I feel about Dynamax. I think I would have preferred to see more Pokemon get Mega Evolutions rather than a whole new battle dynamic where your Pokemon just gets really big. Lastly, what are all your guys' favorite regions thus far, and which starter of all the starters is your ride or die? Mine being Johto and Totodile. Mine's also Johto and Totodile! Thanks so much for listening, Caleb. Well, thank you for listening, Caleb. So this is a good Cali question. Yeah. This is really a Cali question. So yes, my my favorite region is Johto, and my uh, my first starter ever in all of my Pokemon playing years was Totodile because my first Pokemon game was Pokemon Crystal. Johto Dial. Wow, I waited until I could play as a girl. That says a lot about me. Hell yeah. Um, what do I think of Dynamax? I think like the point of Dynamax is to show off like what Pokemon would look like a t- on a TV. I think that's the whole point. Is like okay, we made a we made it get like really big and dynamic, um, because Pokemon's on your TV for the first time in a very long time. Um, I don't know. I I'm into it because I like having new battle strategies to experiment with, but that's also like just the very me thing. So, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I do really like Mega Evolutions though, and I'm gonna miss them. Mega Kangaskhan's my favorite. I don't know enough about Pokemon to really contribute to this. I Even know, though I, I, know a I pick good amount. it up, I pick it up every time, and I think this is going to be the one. Well, maybe this is the one. Maybe I mean I, I like it, and I li- I had I did buy Let's Go Pikachu because I was like hell yeah, this is the the game that I remember playing as a kid, and I enjoyed it for a bit, and then I I fell off it because I felt it was too easy. Like there wasn't any challenge there for me, and I just kind of dropped off it. I like the look of Sword and Shield, especially because it's in 
Great Britain, or at least some uh, imitation of it. I like um, my favorite, my star, I guess I always kind of go Squirtle, my mm. boy. But I never had Pokemon Blue. Uh, you guys, I- Do you know the Pokemon you're gonna pick for Sword and Shield, your starter? Uh, I have to wait and see what the final evolution looks like. Every well, time- okay, But w with what you have now, what would you pick? So like out of the three, I wrote about this because I totally forgot to mention for the entirety of this podcast that I played 90 minutes of Sword and Shield <laughs> recently. Um, I, I wrote a whole thing about picking your starter in Sword and Shield. Like they added a lot to it to make it more like emotional. Oh. And I picked Sobble and then my rival picked Score Bunny and Grookey was left looking all sad and alone because nobody picked him. And then I was like, I want to pick Grookey, but then I don't want to see Sobble looking sad. So I really- Sobble already looks sad. I don't know That's why I do. want Sobble, because I feel a connection. Right. Just, just going to be sad together. Yeah. I always pick water starters. Like, that's my thing. I I basically, I didn't pick, I, I honestly wished I had picked Poplio in Sun and Moon. And I picked Rowlet for a change of pace. I was like, Grass Ghost is really cool. It's like Travenant. And then I picked it, or like Pumpkaboo. And then I was like, oh, I wish I had Primarina. Pumpkaboo sounds like something a sim would say. <laughs> Pumpkaboo. Pumpkaboo. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> The best thing about Pumpkaboo is in the Japanese anime, he says, cha-cha-cha. Like, that's <laughs> what he says. Anyway, um, so I'll probably end up picking Sobble just because I, I like... I never pick fire starters because I like fire type Pokemon so much that I always want to get a Growlithe or a Vulpix or something. Mm -hmm. But I like Cyndaquil, but I always pick Totodile. I I can't ever decide on anything. I don't have a favorite anything. And I this is making me stressed out. Well, I would pick Grookey. I'm going to pick Grookey. I don't care what the evolutions are. I'm going to pick Grookey. Uh, I guess as for favorite region and favorite starter, I would say Charmander and Johto as well. But I feel like picking Johto is kind of a cheat. Because you can because go to the Kanto. best one. You, well, you you can go to Kanto <laughs> well, too. Because Kanto's my favorite, but Johto at least in no, like but you gotta be picking can, silver. Yo, but Kodo versus... Janta, you're picking the region, not the game. <laughs> Kodo and Janto. Huh? <laughs> you heard me. I would still pick Johto. I think. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah. I I um. Well, so Kanto is like the Kanto region of Japan, and Johto is like the Kansai region. Um. So you get like like. Johto is inspired by like the traditional what you think of like Japan like like Ecruteague City is oh the music yeah. is so good. Oh, I mm. love Johto so much. Yeah, Johto Johto's number one for me. Let's go Johto win. Um oh god, yes. Forget I don't care about Diamond and Pearl remakes. Stop saying that on the internet. Yeah, Diamond yeah, and Pearl yeah. are the worst ones. I don't want to talk to you about Diamond and Pearl. Where are my Johto remakes part two? I want a second remake of those. Um I, I think you can't go wrong with the first six starters though. And it's hard for me to pick between those first six. Yeah. Um, Thickerita. Yeah. I mean, like, because I'd say, like, uh, Bulbasaur and Cyndaquil. But as soon as I say that, I remember Squirtle and Totodile. And as soon as I say that, I remember Charmander and Chikorita. I can't choose. There's six Pokemon at a party, all six. All right, Ch okay, Chikorita is the only one that I could probably, like, cut from that. Like, I yeah. don't think I'd ever pick Chikorita. But the other ones I picked at some point. Question. What's the worst starter? Chimchar's wow. a little bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Chimchar too, 
but not necessarily because he was my least favorite, because he was one of the few other ones that came to my mind at that moment. Jim <laughs> Chazzle. Let's see. Favorite region is Johto, because I also love like the the more like traditional Japanese aesthetic of it. And mine is actually Chikorita. It's my favorite star. Specifically because oh, yeah. I, I, I love I love Bayleaf. I used to I, I would get to Bayleaf and then I actually wouldn't evolve them to Meganium. Even though like Because Bayleaf is so cute. Because Bayleaf is adorable. They're like an angsty teen and I love them. Yeah. And then like Meganium's like, oh I don't know, whatever. You're, yeah. Flowers. Hit it, yeah. Look. Hit it when you're eating stew though, and there's a bay you pick up the bay leaf in your spoon and you're like, hey, <laughs> gotta get that out Boo. of there. Uh Lucy, do you want to read the next one? Sure. Uh, it's from Jacob McCourt from Windsor, Ontario. Uh, I love the show. I'm about the same age as most of the core crew, and your positive energy around games and anime is infectious. I've been listening since day one, so thank you for that. And thank you for listening. Um, I don't think that this question has been asked as of yet. I was hoping to get a look behind the curtain at GameSpot after dark. I have a series of small questions that I hope you all can dive into. Thanks again for all the great content. Lucy, Timor, Jake, Callie, Peter, John Luke, and more. Oh my gosh. This is lovely. I love it when we get wholesome. I mean, all of our emails are wholesome. Yeah, like, except really for that one like Russian bot that's trying to sell us websites. Yeah, yeah. I have been getting that. Like, check out all these blogs, and then it's just a list of 50 like, blogs. No. And I'm like, I, You didn't delete. include it in here, but I... Bef- while we're talking about wholesome emails, I want to shout out the guy who called us Wea Boomers. <laughs> <laughs> Wea Boomers. Love that. Anyway, um, so there's uh, five mini questions. How do we want to do this? Just go one at a time? Yeah, I figure one at a time and we'll just keep them brief. Okay. Uh, probably you and I can answer most of these questions. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, number one, can you talk about how the idea for GameSpot After Dark got started? This is you, Jake. Uh. Peter and I were like, GameSpot doesn't have a podcast. We should do a podcast. And then we had an idea for a podcast where we would have a different topic every single episode, but we learned that takes a lot of prep and a lot of practice and figuring out what exactly you want to talk about. And then from there, you had to prepare yourself. And it was hard finding like-minded people who could be together with that. And then the other issue was that the cast was always rotating. And like, while I do try to get um, a wide range of people on these episodes, we still try to keep to the same core group of people. Uh, so we kind of stepped away from that, and this was back in January. Uh, so we stepped away from that and kind of took a break, and eventually we we just thought about it more and more. Like, you know what? We don't have a gaming podcast. Like, we used to have The Lobby. Uh, we used to have some other podcasts. GameSpot UK. GameSpot UK. Uh, and it's something that our audience has been asking for for a long time. Not everyone, to be fair. It's probably, like, a very small minority that still asks us. Like, I'm sure people... Buggy, like, where's the lobby? When's the lobby coming back? I uh, still get people asking about Anime Club. Yeah. IGN. Well, we got that wonderful review of someone who was like, Anime Club was the first podcast I listened yeah. to. And I'm so happy to hear Callie's on a podcast again. It was yeah. very wholesome. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that's the gist of it. We just wanted a place where people could talk about games at length. Because right now, a lot of the stuff we do at GameSpot, we typically, they're scripted, they're reviews, they're previews. And we don't really get to like, sit back and kind of just have free-flowing conversations about the games we're playing, what we're doing, what we're watching, our thoughts on different things. Uh, so yeah, that, that, that's pretty much where the idea came from. How did you prepare? I mean, we this is you kind of covered this a little bit. How did you prepare for episode one? Did you do some test shows before launching the show proper? Uh, many. We did many <laughs> test shows. So many. Yeah, quite a few. Um, but I think it's good. And I think as well when we were launching we kind of soft launched Mm -hmm. because it's even though you have tests and you know try things out it's difficult to it's like watching the pilot of a show and realize that 
the basic building blocks are there, but maybe things haven't been slotted together properly yet. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing that you only really learn by putting something out there and getting feedback from people. So which is why we love hearing from people who listen and, you know, we take that and change things up a little bit and try things. And so, yeah, it's tests are very, very useful, but it's nothing compared to putting it out there. I'd say we're still in beta too. Just like Fortnite. We're never going to leave beta. (laughs) (laughs) Let's rename the podcast (laughs) games after dark. Just like Fortnite. Beta. Um, that's beta. A, yeah, beta. I know, because I, I, I knew I was going to say beta. And I'm like, oh. um, why no F-bombs? You say other swears. Wouldn't that make you an explicit show? Does it? I don't know. I, well, I, I it, thought it was just the F-bomb that means you have to mark explicit on iTunes. But should we be marking explicit anyway? Well, after what Matt said about booty in uh, Rainbow Six Siege at okay, the beginning of the show. But everyone has a big booty in that game. They, they have, That's not true. It's it's re- The booties in that game are ridiculous. Excuse That's me. Excuse me. Rainbow Fix Siege. Yes. Rainbow Thick Siege. Wow. <laughs> the donkers are out of this world. That's the subtitle. Uh, we typically don't swear. Well, at least F-bombs. I don't know. It's like... Yeah, I feel like I think it's like PG thirteen. Yeah, the rest of the website is pretty much. PG-13. Ever since I've been here, it's kind of been. Uh, it's when I started, it was a little bit more unsaid, but like we're usually not supposed to say the f word on videos, live streams, except whatever it for might be. a period of time on the lobby that was promptly ended, and we had a uh, a nuke from Fallout that became our f bomb. We called it the F-bomb, and it was our swear jar that we had to put a dollar into because on the lobby we were saying the F-word too much. Yeah, <laughs> so, so I think that was when they were like, hey, just to like reconvene, rethink <laughs> about this. Uh, we, want, we, we think of GameSpot as PG-13, so try to not say the F-bomb too much. And I know I forget to bleep it out on some episodes. And but I also, like, for that. We, we talked about Modern Warfare, which mm. I didn't even touch the stuff that happens in that game. Like, yeah. That's my, I'm kind of of the mind that like, yeah, we have to be PG-13 because a lot of the games we cover are inherently in that zone. Well, that's like the other tricky thing is like, so we're not supposed to say the F word typically, but like I was cutting gameplay for a game that's coming out soon today uh, or coming out event, coming out soon. And they (laughs) they say a lot of F words. Mm. And I was like, so if I said this, I'd have to bleep it out. But because I don't say it. I don't really have to bleep it out because that'd be weird to start bleeping out someone else's game for our video. Like mm. it, 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 it does get kind of weird like that. But yeah, just across the board, we try not yeah. to say. Um, if any of you listening are Googling sex simulator on our website, <laughs> we have a weekly report that shows certain data. And uh, one of the things we keep getting is that we get a lot of searches for something called sex simulator. Top 10. Which Top 10 every week. Never, ever wrote about or covered in any way. So... <laughs> That's that's one you're not going to see coverage I, I of. I don't know why. If you're holding out for Sex yeah. Simulator, don't hold your breath. Yeah. You can also just search on Google, right? Instead of GameSpot, you might get better luck. No, no, no. Way. Continue searching on GameSpot. However, <laughs> <laughs> despite what you've heard, Rainbow Thick Siege is not a sex simulator. <laughs> uh, how do you prepare for each episode? Is it a Google Doc? Yeah, yes. last minute I put together. Yeah, we're yeah, looking yeah. at a Google Doc. And then right now. every single time Jake slacks me, can you print? Yeah, because <laughs> the printers never work here, at least for me. Yeah, I print for a lot of people. Yeah. I finally figured it out because I took my laptop all the way to the fifth floor to IT and they did it and it was depressingly easy. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh. I just remain the the print lady. Print queen. 
Has there been anyone at CBSI outside of GameSpot Editorial that has helped mold the show into what it is today? Uh, I mean... I don't know if there's people who's helped mold the show into what it is today, but there are definitely people out... Well... I mean, there's... There, there's people outside of GameSpot Editorial who have, like, helped promote this show and, like... Thank you, Giant Bomb. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, Giant Bomb has helped and, like, uh, um, like uh, a CBS PR has helped us out as well. Mm-hmm. CBS Interactive PR has, like, pushed it to other brands and stuff like that. Shout out um, to Jacob McCourt for knowing what CBSI is also. CBS yes. Interactive yeah. is our division. Giant Within, Bomb's in that as well. Yeah. My favorite thing is when I meet, like I, I got a haircut yesterday and she was like, so where do you work? And I was like, oh, CBS. And she's like, oh, CVS. What do you do at CVS? And I was like, I'm a video producer. And she's like, oh, I didn't know they had video producers at CVS. And I was like, no, 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 CBS. There's a B. And she's like, oh, CBS. That makes a lot more sense. But it's not the first time someone has been like, you everyone CVS, yeah. everyone yeah. thinks I work Pretty for much. a pharmacy. Yeah. I didn't get that until I moved here because CVS is not yeah. a thing. In the- so or it, you get like, oh, you write for TV. And I'm like, I'm a writer. Have you seen the Big Bang Theory? That's what I get. If I say, because I, mean, I, I use Big Bang Theory as in the UK, at least to describe. Yeah, yeah, I do that CBS. too. And, you know, Big Bang Theory, the not the Colbert Report, because it's not that anymore. Uh, the, the Daily Show with Colbert. My grandma watches the Big Bang Theory because I think... It reminds her of me and my That's nerdy adorable. ass cousins. That is adorable. So, um, uh, that's it from Jacob McCourt. I hope you I hope we answered all of your questions. Yeah, that's thank you. The peek behind the curtain. It's not very exciting, is it? It's just mm, like oh, really? it, we have a lot of fun. Yeah, we. Yeah. I mean, this I mean, is we like to have fun. Week, you know, we have uh, fun. I guess we have had a lot of help from Giant Bomb, like in the sense mm. that we're recording in their studio right now, and yeah. we've done that every week. Um, and like Jan has come in and helped me show me how to run this. In fact, I'll probably need to get him to come in here and help me figure out how to connect Skype to this whole setup mm. for guests we're going to have in the future. Uh, so, so Giant Bomb has definitely been a huge help as well. Hi, all. Does Lightning McQueen have to buy car insurance or life insurance? Thanks, Sam. This is my favorite email of all time. He, he, <laughs> tweeted, at me, he tweeted at me and was like, I just sent an email. Sorry if it's a little weird. You guys don't have to read it. No. And I was like, no, no, oh. no. This is... This We're is, reading this. it. I love this email. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make this real easy for everybody. In the world of cars, there's no health insurance. There's no car insurance. It's all free. It's all, all the cars are taken care of. Medicare for all. It's the NHS. Do they feel pain when they get... Have you seen like cars? I really like the socialist utopia <laughs> version of, of cars. reading of cars. Yeah, I haven't seen. I've only seen the first cars, and I haven't seen in a very long time. Yeah, uh, I haven't uh, seen cars in years. I've never seen cars, but I did recently go to Disneyland and I went to Cars Land. Nice. Because oh, I yeah, I went to that a couple of years ago. Lightning and I McQueen did was there. See Lightning McQueen, yeah. but it was but you don't oh. need to see multiple Cars movies to understand this question, right? Of like, <laughs> okay, no, no, no. I, I is, is a living tomato? car. Yeah, tomato. It, does a living car need life insurance or car insurance? I think life. Is, I think life. I think life. Ethical I think question. Life. Here. I think life because no, actually, well, uh, because if it's car insurance, <laughs> then what qualifies as life insurance? Is I this like, is this like the Disney thing of how Mickey and Minnie are mice and Donald is a duck and Goofy is a dog and then for some reason Pluto is an actual dog to the dog? Where does it hey, end, Disney? So Hello Kitty. Where does it end? Hello Kitty does the same thing. Hello Kitty is a, a cat, but she has a pet cat. Well, Hello Kitty isn't a cat. She's supposed to not be a cat, but she has a pet cat. Anyway, I She's think, a funny cat. I, I think they need both. I think they need car insurance for the, the kinds of accidents we cover. Car in, like that's what car insurance covers for us, right? Mm-hmm. 
And then I think they need life insurance for if they get totaled. So well, I'm going to disagree with you. And so the thing is, is in the Cars universe, they have life insurance for the cars because they are the living things in that world. You and keep then they saying have in the Cars in- universe, but do you have proof? <laughs> yes. I wrote a book about it. I did extensive research. The co- life insurance is for the living cars because they are living. And then instead of car insurance, they have human insurance because they get on the humans and ride them to work every day like we no. get into cars. <laughs> they do not exist they, in the universe. They, ex- they absolutely do. They exist. They have human insurance and life insurance. No. End of okay. question. Okay. I think it's the same thing. Like their version of life insurance is just called car insurance because they're cars. So they would call it car insurance, but it's just life insurance. They don't have... But does it that's, cover accidents? That's probably the joke in yeah. one of the movies, actually. Because, like, they wouldn't need to separate the two because you can't, like, there's no reason to have them separate. What if they're, they have no insurance? Oh, <laughs> shit. Well, that's a whole different thing. So <laughs> I, I Googled this. Okay. Work, workers' rights. <laughs> no, no, no. I, this is incredible. So someone on, is it Quora? Yeah. Has asked this very question. Craig Anderson, chartered insurance professional, has answered. <laughs> <laughs> I would suggest that Mr. McQueen and his cohorts would likely be better off with life and health insurance. Automobile insurance policies are written to indemnify the owner of a vehicle for loss or damage to the vehicle or legal liability. This is insane. As I recall, the vehicles in the car story universe are free beings, not slaves. Thus, they have no owner. Subsequently, there would be no insured person under any automobile policy they took out. Without an owner to be indemnified for any loss or damage to the quote unquote vehicle and no owner to be liable for loss. No, no, hang on. Yeah, no one is to be liable for loss or damage resulting from the use or operation of the quote-unquote vehicle. The policy would never pay and therefore be of absolutely no use. Well, hang on, hang so on. I suppose Lightning could get around this problem by forming a legal entity, brackets, <laughs> Kachow Holdings Limited, <laughs> and then leasing Offshore himself. Bank account. <laughs> Well, who, who did this, Craig? This, no offense, Craig. Craig that's the Anderson. stupidest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Craig actually raises a great point. Craig mentioned health insurance, and that's what we're ignoring. The question posits, 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 car insurance or life insurance. But in the cars universe, car insurance would be health insurance. In our universe, health insurance and life insurance are, are two distinct. different things. That's true. Mm. So cars have to buy car insurance, which is health insurance. insurance. And life insurance. For when they die. But they don't need life insurance because you don't, you're not required to get health insurance. I mean, life insurance. But you also aren't required to get health insurance, but you should be. But you're required to get car insurance. There is a worrying yes, amount of people who work in the financial services who have replied to this. I horror. guarantee you that there's a joke in one of the Cars movies yeah. where there is a mafia car talking <laughs> to another mafia car about taking out a different car and saying, be sure to take take out a car insurance policy before we make the hit. And like, Why did you I bet think you... I'm British? That was That's... not a mafia accent. <laughs> what is a mafia accent? Like <laughs> New Jersey. Whoa! Yeah. Like, that's what it is. Like Don from Futurama. Yes, like Don yeah. okay. from Futurama. Thank you. Fat Tony, let's yeah. go. Be sure to take out a nice car insurance policy <laughs> on this mate. No, you got British. <laughs> you start. You start fine, and then you go into British. Hey, after dark, dark crew. <laughs> <laughs> I just listened to your episode from a couple weeks ago, and I have to say, I have never heard of popcorn reading. As someone growing up in Toronto, is that Canada? That's Canada. We followed the reading paragraph by paragraph for each classmate. 
I will. I always. I would always count in my head to see which paragraph I had to read. The worst was when the teacher was distracted and let someone read two paragraphs and throw me off completely. I remember that. that so was, we, that we had that reading? too. We had that too. No, that's uh, not popcorn that's not reading. Popcorn I thought that's what you meant by popcorn reading. No, no. that's not no. it. No. Popcorn okay. is you nominate someone. Specific but but oh. that was BS. Like someone would Sometimes. read an entire page because they're like, oh, I'm smart. I'm going to read the whole page. Good at reading and it's like, oh my God. Well, anyway, that, onto my question. That kid, sorry. Anyway, onto my question. If you were to be out... If you were, if you were to be in a video game, whether as a main protagonist, NPC, or villain, etc., what kind of genre game or existing universe would you want to be a part of, and why? Thanks for providing me entertainment on my commute to and from work, Matt from where is that? Guelph, Guelph, Ontario. Thank you for writing in, Matt. Guelph is the greatest word I've it's ever heard. Just I Guelph. Love it. Guelph. I can answer this Guelph. immediately. I would want to be in an anime game. Uh, animated by Trigger, Studio Trigger. I want Studio Trigger to animate me so bad. Oh, that's what I want. Well, based on some earlier findings, I know what the GameSpot audience wants to be in. But for me, probably mystery horror. What? Sex Simulator. I see. Uh, <laughs> good callback. Good callback. That's good. That's good. Uh, um, mystery horror for me, for sure. Yeah, I'd want to be... See, I don't really play fighting games, but I want to be in a fighting game because I used to do martial arts and I'm really into it. I want to I want to be in the Mass Effect. I was literally just saying, yeah, I would like to be an Asari Justica. Oh, that'd be badass. And just go around and just deal out justice yeah. and also be incredibly powerful and have an incredible body. I want to be a goose. I was going to say, <laughs> I better have a sick-ass body. That's why I want to be animated by Studio Trigger. They animate bodies a lot <laughs> and the thing about i hate my hate my legs i would literally like i have thought about like what if i just amputated my legs and then got new legs like i hate my legs so much that's what body dysmorphia does friends and uh anime legs are perfect i want anime legs like michael hyam like Vegeta. michael hyam does, he have, does anime have anime legs, legs. pokemon oh. <laughs> <laughs> would you pokemon be universe. Uh, pokemon or trainer or oh trainer yeah I, I mean, the Pokemon universe is so, like, wholesome. Callie regrets her decision. Yeah, exactly. If I, I was in like, the Pokemon universe, I would be a breeder. I love breeding Pokemon. But this is, like, if... Oh, What if existing you were universe? Yeah, what existing yeah, yeah. video game universe? Pokemon. I thought <laughs> they were asking, like, if you could be put in a video game, like, like one of Kojima's celebrity friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. If I could go into a video game universe with Pokemon, duh. <laughs> I thought, I thought if like if you were a guest star like like Jeff Keighley, <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you got to give a specific series. That control, you just said. okay, Absolutely. control. Um, would, yeah, who would I, you be in control? I'd, I'd work. You'd be Matt Paget in control. I would be the director, obviously. Oh, hopefully you don't get killed by. I know exactly what I have to do to become the director. So <laughs> <laughs> there's a very easy rise in that ranking there. Well, so I'm just. Pop, I'm the director. I mean, uh, it'll probably be pretty short-lived for you then. Oh, actually, no, because as a director, you have to play Russian roulette with the um, the gun. Yeah, that. And if that's you, a service very, weapon. This is very weapon. stressful. And if you, to live if you come in. out of that a winner, you're the director. And I don't know if I'd come out a winner. <laughs> Matt, do you want to read the final question from our friend <laughs> Alessandro Barbosa? Oh, Woo, Barbosa, our good friend Alessandro Barbosa. Uh, hello, After he Dark Crew. Really quickly, he writes a lot of reviews for GameSpot, so shout out to, to Alessandro. And he's great. He's great. Absolutely. Uh, 
Hello, After Dark crew. I'm busy catching up on past episodes and loving it. In a past episode, Lucy made a throwaway comment that oh, the no. UK had better candy than in the USA, and honestly, I couldn't agree more. That does sound like something I would say. I have a fellow South African that has been living in Santa Monica for a couple of years, and he always asks me to bring along Kit Kats from home whenever I visit because he just can't stand the local ones. I used to think it was weird until I tried a bunch of different chocolates during an E3 trip. American chocolate sucks. Sorry. My question, what redeems... Is that why you had Matt read this question? Part of it, yeah. <laughs> My question, what redeems your lack of good chocolate? What's the one thing you know America does better food-wise than anywhere else in the world? Savory snacks. No, the question's not over. Enjoy the show. Miss you all. Keep up the great work. Savory we miss snacks. You dude. We miss you, dude. Uh, Brussels sprouts. Honestly. Oh, we do Brussels sprouts you, right. You guys do. So in the UK, if... I mean, at least where I grew up, um, the way you had boiled. vegetables were boiled and it would be flavorless and gross. And like, I have never known joy eating a Brussels sprout until I moved here. And it we're on, was- We're on the cutting edge. Dude, yeah, like honey, honey in there? We have like these bougie gourmet ass Brussels sprouts Those ones at you every had bar. White, white elephant, pink elephant? Pink elephant. Oh my God. Dude, the pink elephant, but oh my God. There's this, That's the yeah. diviest, grossest bar. But- it's loud as hell in there. Shout we went we went during Salesforce and it was a bad time. But yeah. However, the Brussels sprouts are so good. Yeah. Um Canadian chocolate's pretty damn good too. I'm going to represent Peter Brown here for a second. This is something Peter always brings up when the subject of American chocolate comes up in conversation and it's that American chocolate contains the same chemical that is found in human vomit. Yes. He talks about this a lot. Yeah. I did apparently a lot of people who don't regularly eat American chocolate are like it smells like vomit. Mhm. Mm um yeah. Hershey's Kisses for me, I cannot eat uh, because yeah. that's all I can. I can do the white chocolate well. peppermint ones for Christmas. Ooh. Um, I mean, Lucy knows this. I, every time you go to go oh, home, yeah. I'm like, how many up. how many Cadbury Dairy Milk bars yeah. can you bring back yeah. when Dave Jewett comes? Yeah, he came for the Dave makes a spreadsheet. Oh yeah, Dave is like request. I DM'd Dave at like I don't know one in the morning our time, and I was like. Are you awake? Probably. I don't know. Can you give me chocolate? Because <laughs> Cadbury Dairy Milk is just like leagues, leagues yeah. above anything we have here. I agree. When it comes to chocolate and sweets, other countries have it better. When it comes to savory snacks, yes. Cheetos, Doritos, yep. combos, like yep. all that stuff, I think we do way better. We do I, savory real good. Yep. I have I think the savory stuff that other countries have is is just awful in comparison yeah. to you know what what's we have. great about Canada? Is since we are uh, we worship the queen, and we are also worship. right beside America, <laughs> we worship the queen just like the English do. Uh, <laughs> um, English here, no thanks. Judy uh, here, Judy here. Um, we we actually get both. Uh, you guys, so there's a law in Canada um, where fast food companies are restricted to a certain number of flavors. So I didn't realize as well that fast what? food companies, until the other day, my roommate Jen is Canadian, uh, they were not allowed to advertise to children, which yeah. is wild, because in the UK, it's, you know, no holds barred. You, know you know who stopped that? Trudeau. Su uh, no. Oh. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Super Size Me kicked in a lot of the stuff that changed uh, fast food in this year, uh, in this continent. Mm. Um, yeah. Children, uh, Advertising to children, I mean, and then also, uh, um, I they it they that took away supersize 
uh, yeah, we lost, we lost from, Super Size too. From Canada, at least. Uh, they took out Super Size options because of that movie. Yeah, yeah no, they did in the UK. And I was really annoyed because that was when I was going through my big growth spurt and I was just eating like an, a regular large meal could not fill me up. Anyway, that's episode, <laughs> episode 12 of GameSpot After Dark. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Thank you, Matt, for joining us. Yep. But Ooh. today, Wait. if you're listening to this on Friday... You know what that means, Jean-Luc? Do you want to... Oh, wanna... God, yes. The reason Matt's in town. The reason Matt's in town. Extra Life. Yeah, if you're listening to this, get ready to tune into Extra Life. Tune into Extra Life. It's happening. It's probably happening as you're listening to it. Uh, we're going... We're starting at 12 p.m. Uh, on Friday. Pacific. Uh, the 20, Pacific time. Friday the 25th, and we're going for 72 hours. We are... The U.S. office has taken most of it, and then at... Uh, Noon on Sunday, we're switching over to the Australian office for 12 hours, and then we're we're going back to us for another 12. Which, bless their hearts, they did... Tw- Jess used to do like 24 straight yeah. hours. Yeah. So she's finally taking a yeah, little bit of a break. Yeah, they asked for a break, and I was like, of course. Yeah. You deserve it. So what are some highlights? Like, what are some... Oh, um Things that people should be getting excited for for extra. Yeah, so this year we did a uh, we we really wanted to like have a schedule going, which is exciting. We had a lot of fun. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of fun coming up with the ideas, Um, and and I think it just makes it easier for people to like see what's up. So uh, you can actually go to GameSpot and check out our articles where uh, we have like a full list breakdown of like. This is when this is happening at this time, so you can go check that out. Um, I'm doing a Nuzlocke run of Pokemon. Callie's doing Ruby. a Nuzlocke run. Uh, not the whole, not the whole thing. Yeah, Tamor uh, convinced Peter to buy Beyblades, um, which is great. Um, <laughs> I googled a Beyblade capable of killing a man to try and win the <laughs> tournament. But... Our, our editor in chief is bringing his kids in, and yep. his ten year old son is going to give Fortnite. He's going to give Fortnite tips, so it's really yeah. exciting. I'm Jake's so going to do some uh, Sekiro competitive race with Tamor, and we're going to rank all the Super Super Smash Bros. Ultimate characters uh, based on whether or not they're a cop. Yep. Yeah. We yep. had a lot planned. Michael's doing a four-hour Final Fantasy raid with the uh, Giant Bomb. I think they're called the Giant Bomb Free Free Company. Mm-hmm. It's like a the Giant Bomb clan. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's really cool. Like, he's he's actually been putting, like, a ton of work just mm-hmm. into that segment on his own, which I think is super cool. I have a Death Stranding surprise. Yeah, Matt has... A, yeah, I'm so really scared for whatever that is. <laughs> we have a bunch of, like, incentives this yeah. year, which tomorrow... The GameSpot uh, Battle Pass. Came up with the idea of a Battle <laughs> Pass. Which, which, I think which I'm going to call GameSpot First. Oh, we should have done that. Ooh, Wait, been it's a good, good. value. <laughs> I feel GameSpot like first is the best value on the market. <laughs> I feel like GameSpot first existed in some... I think it did. Yeah, I think yeah. it did. And also no, that's IGN first. first. <laughs> so yeah, we, we have like a, a battle pass where, where we have like a list of tiers of like, hey, if we hit this goal, we're going to like, you know, do something crazy. Um, I think... Ben's going to do a bunch of nug nug challenge nuggets uh, nuggets I guess I should not yeah. yeah you should probably specify <laughs> should specify that uh yeah chicken nugget challenge um, I think he was volunteered for that and he's just going with it well I asked like who could do that and Ben's like ah it's easy 50 that's, that's fine that's fair I, I the point is though that we've planned all this stuff out yes. and all the money we raise is going to the kids at uh UC UCSF, UCSF Benioff, Benioff in Oakland for for kids who are struggling with cancer yes um so this is all the support helps even if you guys can just tune in spread the word that would be amazing yeah absolutely yeah, we'll, be, we'll be tweeting about it mm-hmm. um i'm sure we'll give our twitter twitter handles shortly but um yeah we have all sorts of fun stuff set up i think individual uh 
segments also have their own donation incentives. So I have some stuff yes. for, for the, the Nuzlocke, for example. We're doing um, a Vine theater. We're going to show some Vines. Yeah, we're just going <laughs> to, like, like, we like to have fun. We like to, like, we're chilling out. Um, yeah. It'll, we have a lot of laughs. We have a lot of laughs. Um, but I'm not going to your baby show. <laughs> um, but yeah, I John Luke especially. I just want to give a shout out to John yes. Luke who who pretty much organizes all of this every year. Um, it's you. a lot of yeah. extra work for him. I'm very tired. John Luke. It's been a really is, really long week, and you're going to be even more tired by the I'm end of the week. John Luke the week. sleeps at the office to yeah. to to put this together. Um, so please please tune in, even if it's just to show support. Um, I just wanted to make sure we all appreciated John Luke's efforts on yes. this. I sleep at the office during Extra Life, not not regularly. Not regularly. <laughs> I should yeah, clarify that's, that. Yeah, no, that's that's a fair thing to clarify. But yeah, I I personally I'm really excited for this. I think it'll be really fun. It'll be a nice break from the stuff that I'm working on, and um, I think it's for a good cause, and we're we're gonna have a good time. Raise money for the kids. Mm-hmm. So that starts. Friday. So when you're listening to this podcast, it's probably started. Maybe you st- started listening to this podcast at 8 a.m. or right when it goes up. Then you got a, you got a couple hours to kill. But it but don't will be worry. Up at noon all weekend. It's going up all weekend. You got plenty of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, another thing that's worth bringing up. Uh, I'm sure a lot of people listening has already seen it. Death Stranding is out in the wild. Uh, people have codes in the industry. If you have questions for us, send them our way. I don't know if we can answer questions next week, but I think the week after we can. No, no, it's good we, to just get them in. No, uh, um, just get them in. There's yeah, yeah. So we we are we've been allowed to confirm that we have the game. Mm-hmm. Um, that's basically the only thing. We'll talk more about it on November first. I'm reviewing it, so um, I will. In addition to Call of Duty, you can yeah. Look I, oh, to actually, I guess reading. next week's episode will go up November first. Right? It will. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so yeah. So get in your questions. Obviously, there's still a lot we won't be able to talk about, but if you have any questions. Any burning questions, we can hopefully answer some of those. I'll only pick questions that we can answer, for the record. Right. Yeah. I think we'll try and also be respectful and keep it uh, uh, it'll spoiler be spoiler free. free. Yeah. For, it'll for people. absolutely be spoiler free. That's a, that's a big thing. But that's all I want to say on that. And finally, Matt Paget. Where can people find you on Twitter? Uh, you can find me at Matt Paget. M-A-T-P-A-G-E-T. What are um, you working on? What are you doing? Man, uh... Well, this this time of year isn't super exciting um, for me, at least. Um, it's it's just a lot of deals, getting getting those gift guides, getting those Black Friday deals. You posted. did a lot of gift guides. Yeah. They uh, it was like I was done, and then a whole bunch more were dropped off by a freaking dump truck of deals. It was uh, a lot, um, and I'm still very tired from that because uh, I went on like a long ten hour drive after that, and I woke up at five a.m. this morning to get here on a plane. Um, but uh, that stuff's up. Uh, Black Friday deals um, will be coming, of course, with Black Friday. Um, and I'll be helping with Death Stranding coverage. Um, but yeah, that's about it. John Luke? Find me at John Luke Seipke. Um, I'm mostly been just doing Extra Life stuff. I'm trying to get together a, a cool video where I just talk about why I think Outer Worlds is really awesome and, and how it's like the Bioware game I've always been mm-hmm. wanting. Basically, it's just going to be exactly what I've said on this podcast. But no, it's not. You'll have extra things it, in there. It will be because extra, should watch and it. it'll be very well edited, and <laughs> you should watch it. Callie. Um, well, you can go read my Call of Duty Modern Warfare review in progress right now. Um, you can look forward to the final review in the coming days as I test out the stuff that I still need to try out. And then, yeah, I am also reviewing Death Stranding because I... 
am insane. So uh, you can look forward uh, to that as well. Like Jake said, uh, November 1st is the embargo for that. Um, that's, I mean, I am really had, I didn't come into work the last two days because I was, I was working on all that stuff. So um, pray for me. Oh, and my Twitter handle is Inkydojika, I-N-K-Y-D-O-J-I-K-K-O. Uh, I'm, what am I doing? You just, well. Uh, true Fiction. True Fiction, uh, the episode this weekend. So last weekend was the Shining episode, my personal favorite. This weekend, it's uh, Jackie Chan. It's kind of a, a look into his history and basically how he can push himself to the limit with every movie that he makes and all the crazy stunts that he does. It's really cool and it's been a really nice one to work on because Kurt, who hosts and writes the show, is such a huge Jackie Chan fan. And I was so gonna say this, yeah. is, this really is a Kurt is. idea. Yeah, <laughs> this, actually, this was an Adam Mason idea, I think. Um, but when Kurt saw it, he was like, "Oh my god, I'm taking this. this is, I'm running with this." Uh, we actually had our last shoot today for this series, um, for the season finale. We shot that today, so it's kind of bittersweet. But look out for that this Sunday on the Gamesport Universe YouTube channel. And in the meantime, you can find me. At Lucy James Games on Twitter and Instagram. And you can find me at Jacob Deck on Twitter. As for what I'm working on, can't talk about it. So cool. Don't That's ask. It. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and if you have any questions, please email them to afterdarkpodcast at gamespot.com. And yeah, I mean, if you have Death Stranding questions you want to ask us, send them there and, and we'll get to the ones we can. The ones we can't answer, we'll probably ignore. <laughs> Thank you to everyone who wrote in about popcorn reading. Yes. Mm -hmm. We shouted them out last week, but we'll do it again. I wasn't here. That's true. I was playing Call of Duty. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you all, and see you next week. Bye.